Welcome to the Christian Politics Podcast, brought to you by the For Youth, By Youth Productions. This podcast is designed to discuss modern issues through the lens of the Bible. Welcome back to the Christian Politics Podcast. We are excited about uh, coming to you again today. We have had some crazy scheduling issues going on these last couple of days. And so we are just going to be flying solo, me and Bryson, again today. We're talking about identity politics. Before we get started with that, Bryson, I was pulling up some of our statistics. We've gotten uh, right at 14,000, not 14,000, I wish 14,000, 1,400 downloads, uh, which is awesome. We're glad you guys are listening to us. Uh, but we wanted to pull out some of our top listeners, our top locations. And so on our platform that we use, we're able to um, pull up. Where people listen to. And Bryson, where is our number one location at? Our number one location is in the state of North Carolina. That's okay. uh, Taylorsville. Well, and that's... So the, the big city of Taylorsville is where we get the most of our listens from. That is right next About, to where we're at. Yeah. We're yeah. in Hidnight. Just up the road. Uh, yeah. Hidnight, um, I'm a little disappointed. You're at like the bottom of the list right now. It said less than one... It had the uh, the little symbol, less than 1%. So we're a little disappointed A little disappointed? Um you know, you need to pick up your game a little bit. We have uh, 8% of our listeners are in Raleigh, but the the majority are in Taylorsville, the yeah. big city of Taylorsville. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, cool. And then it does show every state. Um, North Carolina is our number one listen to state. And surprisingly, number two is Tennessee. Uh, I don't know many people in Tennessee. I know my buddy John is in Tennessee. Shout out I'm to sure John. sure he's listening. Uh, he does like the voice over here, Bryson Davis. He calls him the voice. Uh, and so, and then number three, our third group is Texas. And uh, I do have some family out in Texas, so I'm hoping they're listening. Uh, so this is pretty exciting to see that we're and we scrolled through, and I think almost every state in the union has listened to one of our episodes, which is pretty incredible. We never thought, um, you know. 17 episodes, 18 episodes ago that uh, we would have someone in every state listening to us, but it's pretty awesome to have that and uh, continue to share this, continue to uh, let people know about it. Uh, We're shooting for next week, hopefully, uh, to have an episode with Daniel Odom uh, lined up, and then we're actually in the talks right now with having Mark Robinson come on. He's having uh, several things going on in the media right now with the WRLAL, and uh, he is... uh, Really just uh, uh, trying to fight a lot of things that's going on, Um, the racial tension, some things like that. Uh, But anyways, Bryson, how's your week been going this week so far? Oh, it's been going pretty good. Uh, You know, just uh, same old, same old, nothing real big and fancy has happened. Politics is kind of boring now that uh, the election's over and uh, things are are a lot different (laughs) now, but, you know, it's... It's, I've had a pretty good week. How about you? Oh man, it's been good. We've we in church life we go through ups and downs of life and death, and uh, we're in the season of death right now in our church, and we've had several members pass away or family members of members pass away. So I've got a funeral that I'm going to today. There's a funeral tomorrow. Uh, so there's a lot going on, a lot of things that are are, are transpiring in the life of church ministry. Uh, so yeah, it's been been well. So we're gonna start into our um, next segment, our uh, In This Week Review. All right, we're going to uh, 
start first with a uh, thing. How about that intro? Yeah, I like that. Man. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty Come cool. Come on. Shout out to James for that. <laughs> James is cool. Uh, we're going to start with the uh, hydroxychloroquine, which is like the forbidden drug, you know. Yes, it, very bad. Very, very bad. bad. Very bad for you. Um, not really, but what uh, James sent me something earlier in the week, and I thought it'd be interesting to point it out. This is sort of a timeline. Some guy named uh, Bill posted this on Twitter. It says... <laughs> Bill's uh, a very reliable source. He though. is a very... <laughs> he's a very reliable source. Um this, uh, he says, this is how the hydroxychloroquine saga unfolded. It says, Trump says he's taking the hydroxychloroquine at the beginning. Everybody was like, oh, no, you know, Trump, if Trump says take it, don't take it. Mm-hmm. May 19th, P- Pelosi goes on CNN, hydroxychloroquine is dangerous. Bad. Very bad. On June 16th, the FDA revokes the use of hydroxychloroquine, which is a drug. We want to point out that this drug has been around for, for so long. It, it was... Uh, is it a malaria drug? Sure. I think so. Something like that. And then July 31st, Dr. Anthony Fauci says hydroxychloroquine is not effective. On day two of Joe Biden's administration, the hydroxychloroquine is okay, and doctors are now allowed to prescribe it. So, James, what are your thoughts well, on how that unfolded? It's good that uh, we're, we're Donald Trump, what he, what he was doing is he was just ahead of the game. Uh, he was ahead of the science. He was ahead of, I guess, everything. I don't I don't know. Um, it, it does show that there is some hypocrisy there. It does show that there is some uh, back and forth. You know, maybe it helps. Maybe it doesn't. If our head of CDC is now saying that it does help, I don't know why nine months earlier it didn't help. Maybe they refined it a little bit. I, I don't know. Um, but I do see the, the big hypocrisy there of because one person was saying, take it. No, it's not good for you. Mm-hmm. So, so if if there's a drug that could potentially be a help to someone, and just because a certain person that you disagree with or is not in, uh, on your side or, or whatever uh, recommends it or, or says, you know, these are the facts, you know, this can be something that helps. Because remember, this is before we have a vaccine or anything. Yeah, yeah. This is before we have anything, and this is a drug that had been proven multiple times to help and. Uh, effectively treat the the covid so when you've got someone that is recommending this uh to to the task force to 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 other people it's kind of just for political purposes to not to keep that away from the american people was kind of just uh a wrongdoing in my personal opinion yep and then uh we also have a sort of another hypocrisy that we're seeing here uh with covid that's going on uh in north carolina we have a uh, our our governor uh, which from day one, I have been completely okay with uh, schools going back. I have been completely okay with people being back in schools. I think that the science shows that, and they've said this from the beginning, the science shows that um, that kids are less likely to transmit it to other kids and kids are less less, less likely to transmit it to adults. Uh, but we saw this past um, Tuesday, I believe, our Governor Cooper got up and he said that um, – he knows that the metrics are are high. We're seeing still a lot of COVID cases in North Carolina, but the hospitals have come down. The deaths are coming down, um, and he feels now, even though the, the the numbers are super high, that now it's okay for all kids to go back to school. When pre COVID pre pre election, it was no, we're keeping everybody away. Uh, so I saw this one news news media outlet said that um, now that. The election is over. 
now that it went their way after winning, the Democrats took over control of the presidency, the House, the Congress, um, and in North Carolina, our governor. Uh, now it's okay to go back to school and to send everybody back to school. One person said that when um, Dan Forrest was running for governor, he ran on, we're going to open up schools. And a lot of Republicans didn't vote for Dan Forrest and they voted for Roy Cooper because he, he was running on, we're going to keep the schools uh, partitioned, we're going to keep them divided, we're going to keep them um, closed down. And, and now we're a month into his new term and it's a hey, open everything back up. Bryson, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I think that um, I think that it's ridiculous. I mean, this is plainly pointing out that Roy Cooper is kind of he's a hypocrite. Okay, I'm just going to say it. Roy Cooper is a hypocrite. You have what he did was he got the vote of the teachers' unions who didn't want to for the kids to go back to school. He got that vote. He's in office for four more years. He's satisfied. He's sitting up there in the governor's mansion with no threat to to his uh, position. And he's just—he's just like the the rest of our politicians in in any kind of government. I mean, or ninety percent of them. I mean, Democrats and Republicans. He's—he's he's not there for for the good of us. He's there for for the good of of selfishness and and themselves. And what aggravates me so much is just that when you when you say one thing three months ago and today you're you're completely the opposite. Like, look at uh, Governor Cuomo in in New York. I mean, he's doing the same exact thing. All these Gavin Newsom, mm-hmm. you can you can open your restaurants in California back now. Yeah, the the things are just it, they've been reelected, and now that it's not an election period, and now that Donald Trump is living in Mar-a-Lago and bad not, man gone. Yep, and not the uh, not the White House. Yeah, yep. Now now they can go back to their old games of political hypocrisy and doing absolutely nothing for the American people, and that's exactly what uh, Roy Cooper's doing. Yep, and I just I just hate that. Um, what's happening is for the longest time this last year, they have abandoned the little people, just to put it in their words, or uh, the people that are just peons. They have took care of themselves, and now they're back in office. They're guaranteed time, okay? They're not, unless they get impeached or someone removes them from office, they're guaranteed in for two or four or six more years. And so now they're sort of taking this back road again and, and not really looking out now for the people they harmed for so many for so long. Uh, how many businesses in Alexander County have shut down where we're at, um, and and people have lost jobs and people are behind on payments because they have shut down a business that rightfully never should have been shut down to to begin with. Um, and so there's there's a lot going on, a lot of um, flip flopping, I guess would be a good term. Uh, I, I just wish that we would put the power back to the people. Um, and I think that's a lot of what um, our lieutenant governor is trying to do. He's having a lot of oppression right now. Man, when, when Dan Forrest was lieutenant governor, we didn't hear a thing about Dan Forrest much. But, man, he, lieutenant governor Mark Robinson, is in the news, um, and they are attacking, attack, attack. And so um, we'll cover more of that later, though. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm really proud of uh, what well, I'm not going to say Dan Forrest was a bad lieutenant governor, but Mark Robinson is a great one. Man, he's so, awesome. So, uh, you know, that whole situation, I encourage you to look it up. The WRAL, look up his press conference, everything about that. Joe Biden um, has a low approval rating. His approval, which most presidents do yeah, uh, at the nothing, beginning of their uh, term. Um, We're, I think he's at what forty five percent right now. He's at about I think it's it's below fifty. I'm not quite okay. sure where yeah. that's at, but I know it's not above fifty. Donald Trump was about the same. His was a, Donald yeah. Trump's was forty five. So we're not standing here saying that uh, 
you know, bashing Joe Biden for a low approval rating because a lot a lot of presidents do. When you, I mean, when you, what do you expect when you sign fifty million executive <laughs> orders in the first week? Forty two. Fact uh, check that. Forty two. I mean, when uh, he's signed forty two to date, not in the first week. There, there so. was uh, a hashtag trending on Twitter. Now I'm not sure what it was, but it was against Biden, like people saying they wish they had their vote back. <laughs> they wish they uh, didn't vote for Biden, but this is America now. This is uh, what we're dealing with. You don't get to take the retest. No, you don't get to. It, that's not how it works. You you uh, you make a bad decision with your vote, and uh, you don't listen to the encouragement of the Christian Politics podcast. Yeah, yeah I think so. And or if you don't come on, see everybody mm. that every guest we've had has got reelected. Like true, get Mark True. Robinson, Virginia Fox, Jeff Peel, Jeff Peel. Yeah, there you go. So, <laughs> but uh, he is. This was the interesting thing. Uh, Donald Trump, or not Donald Trump, Joe Biden, he had 55% of the vote. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it, it was It was about 55%. Okay, so, I would, so roughly 55% of the country voted how, for him. How many million was it? Like 80 million? It was million? 80 81 million. million. 81, 81 million. million yeah, tons of, tons of millions. 80 million people. The most how, voted for president in the history of America. So how does someone, Bryson, get 55% of the country's vote, but yet his approval rating is only 45? Illegally. Um <laughs> I'm the, this is Bryson's opinion. This, this is my point. opinion. Yes, yeah, we don't have facts to back that up. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You would do that. think, though, logically, but if someone logic, were to get 55 percent right, of the country's vote, yeah, their approval rating would be at least 55 percent. Well, if they get 55 percent, I would hope that their approval rating would be at least above 50 somewhere. Okay. Because I think there's people that even voted for Donald Trump in 2016 that once he got in office, they were like, eh, I don't really, I don't really think that. Orange Man Bad. Yeah, yeah, Orange Man Bad, you know. They started watching. Well, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I think that if you got 81 million votes with, and like 10, 12 million more than Donald Trump and you have 55 whole percent of the vote, then you should have an approval rating that should be tremendous for your first days. Yeah. But when, when you have um, people that are saying now that they wish they had – had not voted for Joe Biden. See, all these people, they weren't necessar- necessarily voting for him. They were voting against Donald Trump. And so I think people are starting to see that what they did by doing that. And so that's why you have that trending on Twitter where, where they're, they're wishing that they uh, had their vote back, you know, things like that. And that's why you see a low approval rating. Yeah. Next up, we have a statement by Virginia Fox. We had her on the episode a couple of months back when she was running for re-election. And uh, her statement is this. Uh, it was to deal with the stimulus package. She said, Washington Democrats, this is a quote exactly what she is saying here, Washington Democrats are on a taxpayer-funded spending spree. And they've got a long list of things that they want. So they're saying that they're wanting all these things and they're just going to keep taking our money that we're giving in taxes, and they're going to do whatever they want with it. And it says what they failed to tell the American people is that there's more than one trillion, that's not with a million, not with a B billion, but one trillion dollars available in budgetary resources. That was from the first CARES Act that was $4.4 million, and then the most recent act that was just put out, which was $1.1 trillion. I think I'm not aware. So it's it's I think it's been five point five trillion dollars, which in my mind it's unfathomable to think of five and a half trillion dollars of money that is there. But they said in that five and a half trillion, roughly one trillion dollars is still 
available. It's still there. Hasn't been used. Hasn't been touched. And then she continues on to say, but it's that stopping, but is that stopping them from trying to pass another 1.9 trillion quote unquote relief package? Absolutely not. This is a textbook definition of wasteful spending. Um, so if there's $1 trillion still available, the GOP just met with Joe Biden just a couple of days ago, and they presented a package that would give money $1,000 to every U.S. Um, family that had one th- or that had a, if it was a married couple, it was $100,000 or less in, in, in what they earned in that year. Um, so it would be 2000 for the couple. And then a kids was in there as well. And that, tr- that package, I think sent $150 billion to, um, for the uh, vaccine stuff. Uh, so so the, it was outlined and there were some things there, but it was only $6 billion. I'm sorry, sorry, not $6 billion, $600 billion. I'm sorry, my number's a little off today. $600 billion. So in reality, if they said, okay, we're going to approve that, but let's just take it out of this $1 trillion, we wouldn't have to borrow any more money. Is that correct, Bryson? Um, I believe. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. So, so we wouldn't have to actually borrow any more money if we went with that idea. Even if we trimmed down this 1.9 trillion relief package. Oh, I see. No, that no, the, I see. that they're wanting to pass right now. If we trimmed it down to 1 trillion, we could just take the 1 trillion that's available that we never spent out of the 5.5 trillion, and we could take it out of that, and we wouldn't have to borrow any more money. Right, but. See, our government doesn't understand how to spend money properly. We, 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 America. I mean, what's the national debt? Uh, just astronomical. Just look at that, and you'll see that America is like the worst at handling uh, money. These, it's crazy to me um, to to see this this going on, and and you'd think these people would be uh, more intelligent about what the heck they're doing up there. I really like that uh, what Virginia Fox had to say, and, and um, about the uh, wasteful deal. The national debt is at what did you say? Twenty seven trillion. Twenty seven right trillion. Now. That okay. was as of October of twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. Twenty seven trillion. It's it's a lot. Yeah. So when you have, um, I think uh, on the on the spending thing, the uh, you were talking about the bill that the Republicans had presented, and they had something else in there. I think the uh, the the bills where we pass this relief, they should not be as much because we're 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 adding so much to those bills. Mm-hmm. Like um, you know, you saw in the first relief package was a there was an outrage about it because uh, the ones that presented it, I believe it was Democrats of the House, had added so many extra unnecessary things. You know, we were we were sending money for. Uh, Gender studies in in another country. Yeah, I can do gender studies in two seconds and tell you there's two genders, and that's all you need to know. That's the ominous bill, right? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, I believe. Yeah. But and we've done that for years, and I think it needs to be read. Well, I'm talking about the uh, the COVID relief though, and that wasn't really along it. But at the start, it was there was in that relief package. What they did was there was so much within that one package. They had added it in there, and it was sort of swept under the rug and not not talked about. And so when these Republicans didn't vote for this package, they were, oh, my gosh, the Republicans don't want help for the American people because they're not passing this package. But what I'm saying is I wish they would pass 
um, these bills like individually instead of passing them so much because I think that's what makes them this bill like worth a trillion dollars is because you've got all this extra crap. Well, and, that goes and I along wish with it. I wish when they pass these bills, really for me, I'm I like to be as transparent as we can. In our church, we try to be very transparent with our money. I wish they would come out and say we're going to pass a one trillion dollar relief bill. And in that $1 trillion, instead of saying $600 per kid and $1,200 per adult or $1,000 or $2,000 for an adult, whatever that is, go ahead and say right out front, of this $1 trillion, $1 million of it is going to go to the American people. Mm-hmm. Why don't they do that? Yeah, really. Why are they not transparent in saying this is the, the thought process? We're going to spend... One percent of this one trillion dollars to the American people. The other ninety nine percent. See, if they did that, the people would reject it. Exactly. There would be chaos. That's why they're not doing it. But they don't do that. They That's just exactly say right. we're gonna we're we're giving you a thousand dollars. Exactly. We're helping you out. Yeah. When in reality, it's not helping us. It's gonna hurt no. our country in the long run. And so there's a. But they lot. don't care about that. They're selfish. They, <laughs> Republicans and Democrats, you're, they're both the same. Yeah. Up there, and they're corrupt, living in Washington D.C., passing this crap that that is just it. It looks good, you know, yeah. like 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 you're just saying it. You get a thousand dollars. Well, who who in the world, if if they're offered a thousand dollars, is not going to take a thousand dollars? Yeah. Um. It, it it just blows my mind that people I, can't understand now by now what's really going on. It, it's crazy because that. They're sitting up there, and, and they're they're spending the least amount of money on the American people, and and sending the rest of the crap to things that are potentially going to keep them in power. That's all they want is money and power. And now I, I think that there does need to be a lot of money going to the the vaccine. Yeah, um, I, agree I, I with think that. that that there we need to be pouring money. If this is a uh, from everything that I'm seeing, it's a very well rounded vaccine. They're saying that it is, uh, you know, a safe vaccine. Uh, we're seeing a lot of good things out of this vaccine. So we need to be pumping money into it. We need to make this as easy and readily available as possible. I agree with that. And, and I so, think it's good that that was in there. But yeah, other but when I things. see Senate lunch bills or, and, 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 you know, extra money put in a bill for um, the, the majority leader to have a special lunch and a special advisory added to his council like like why why are we putting money towards that um so well we got a little off topic there but virginia fox continue to follow her uh we'll maybe have her on again later um because she's in the thick of it she's in washington she's working with nancy pelosi she's there she's a first-hand witness so the mess that we've got yep so we want to keep her in contact and and continue to share her things last thing we wanted to look at today is our senate approval of power sharing agreement that allows Democrats to take control of the committees. Uh, the the Senate right now, how is it divided up, Bryson? So the Senate is split 50-50, which is why we uh, the Georgia, everything you saw there, that's why that was so big because that was going to decide the way the Senate went because we have a Democratic um, president and vice president. So in that case, if the Senate is split 50-50, Kamala Harris would be the tiebreaker, as would any other vice president. So that's why uh, it, the Georgia, everything that happened there was so important. But So the Senate is split 50-50. So the Senate, a few days back, they approved this uh, agreement that allowed Chuck Schumer, um, um, 
Mitch McConnell and and other uh, leaders in the committees to, to sort of share the power because they're they are split 50 50 mm-hmm. so I'm not sure if they were calling them co-majority leader or I've seen some reports that say that it's co some reports that say that Mitch McConnell is the minority I'm assuming that they're because it's split they're co-majority minority but the official title goes to Chuck Schumer because the tiebreaker right is at the presidency so if it was if it was 50 50 and Donald Trump was in in office I think that Chuck Schumer would be the Majority yeah. leader because the tiebreaker would go to the president or to the mm-hmm. vice president and it would be Republican. Um, so I think that's how it runs. I'm not exactly sure on that. I looked it up a little bit before the show, and I'm pretty sure that's what it said. Yeah, so. I don't. I don't think they should be called co-majority leaders. I think Chuck Schumer should be the majority leader. The Republicans yeah. they didn't get reelected. They did no. a bad job. That's their fault. Yeah, they they didn't. Uh, the Democrats. I mean, they campaigned hard, and, and whether whether things happened wrong or not. I mean, they still they're all over the place, you know, doing yeah. things. I mean, not all over the place, but like TV and because they were sitting at home while they were doing it. But um, I think that the title should just go to Chuck Schumer, Senate Majority Leader, because he's got Kamala Harris, which will give them the majority in a vote that is only requires. Um, and there's only a couple of majority. things that require a majority. Right. It's, um, it, confirmations of, of offices, Supreme Court nominees. Um, th- those are the only things that require a, a major, a simple majority of fifty plus one, which would be fifty-one percent. Um, and then a lot of the other things require a sixty percent vote. Yep. Um, I think budget spending is sixty percent or or two thirds. Um, I think impeachment, as it comes to to light, requires sixty percent. I think that's how it is. It may not yeah, be it's sixty or two thirds. I believe it's two thirds. Okay. That. Okay. So so there's still a lot of stuff that's not going to be able to go through Congress because it's still not um enough majority to, to pass it. That's what I love the most about the Senate of the United States is how uh how how we've got things like that. We've got these checks and balances, these things uh within the constitution that prevents things from happening and also allows things to happen. Um but but it makes me think about the men that were were uh, founding this country, sitting there yeah. thinking about how this country was going to be ran. And they almost took um, a government from all over the world using, uh, you know, the the republic. It's also a democracy. Yeah. Um, I, I think I find that amazing and things like that. Just yeah. the things that they thought of putting in there, and then people after them. You know, this may not be something that is in the Constitution, but amendments that were made later, just these things that were thought of, and, and yeah. old, I just well, I think my, stuff like that is interesting. Me and my brother were talking about it a little bit, and he said it's crazy that back in 1776 when they wrote all this and they got everything together, um, they had already labeled out the succession of power. And if the president dies, if the vice president dies, if the House majority leader dies— and how it goes down like 45, 50 different people who would mm-hmm. take it. They thought about that back then, and it yeah. was in there. Um, and so how these people thought through if this thing's happened. Uh, another thing that was pretty cool uh, that we were thinking of, and we mentioned this on our last episode. We briefly talked about it today before we get into our identity politics talk today, um, was the executive orders. Okay, Joe Biden to date has done 42 executive orders astronomically high, but we've talked about it last episode. We talked about the episode before. We don't want to dwell on it, but this was, we, we mentioned something and I was talking to a friend of mine and this came out as I was talking to him 
And he said, you know, James, that's a good idea. So I wanted to share it with y'all and, and, and sort of get your advice, get your thoughts on it. Bryson, maybe get your thoughts too. Okay. Executive orders. Lately, they've been going crazy. We keep this 100-day uh, thing. You know, I, I see it a lot right now because, you know, Joe Biden's first 100 days in office really defines how his presidency is going to look. Uh, what if this? What if an executive order was signed, and if in 100 days it didn't go through the House and go through the Senate to get put into law, it becomes null and void? There's yeah. some checks and balance there. Yeah, there's It's some. not just uh, for 100 days, it's, it's, it's valid. He says, okay, we're going to raise minimum wage. We're going to shut down the pipeline. Some of those things we talked about. So for 100 days, let's, let's okay, it's going to happen because the executive order happened. It was signed in. But then it has to immediately go to the House. The House has to pass it, and it has to go before Congress. Congress has to pass it, and then it now comes back before the president, and then he signs it into law. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there needs to be a process there because it's been abused the past um, month. Yeah, um, and, and that would not be even for, a month. Just then, the past then that would weeks. be for everyone, no matter where it's a Republican president, right. Democrat president, Libertarian president, uh, who whatever. Now we have set up some checks and balances to where there's not this unadulterated, unabridged power that he can just do whatever he wants and then just get undone. I'm so tired of seeing executive orders undoing other executive orders. Why not take it, and if it's that important, process it through the right means, process it through the right channels? Yeah, we need a process. I'm trying to find how many he's signed, but there's got to be like 40. How many? Right now it's 42 today. 42. So um, When we're recording this on Thursday, February 4th, it is 42. I just read that on the Daily Wire. Um, yeah. He's at 42 to date. I mean, he said himself, if you if you have to sign executive orders to get things passed instead of going through the Congress, you're a dictator. Yeah. You, so so we need to find avenues right, to where they have to go do. through Congress. But that's not so. going to happen because now Washington, like I said, they're they're back to their old ways of not doing anything for the benefit of the country, and they're only doing it stuff for the benefit of themselves. There's only a few in there, Democrats and Republicans, that are actually fighting for their cause, whether I disagree with them or not. Yeah, there's I mean, there's people in there that are I mean, look at Nancy Pelosi, look at Mitch McConnell, look at um, Lindsey Graham. I mean, those are two Republicans who, who I, I personally don't really necessarily like because yeah. they're just like the rest of them. It's the D.C. swamp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and another thing about that, you mentioned something and I know we're belaboring this before we get into identity politics. We will get there. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> No, you're good. One of the things I saw was, I think it was on February 2nd, Nancy Pelosi uh, invested $1.25 million into electric vehicle stock. Really? I, I, no. haven't, I haven't verified it. Did you look it up and verify yes, it? Yes, I did. That's, okay. It's very interesting. Continue. Okay. okay. And so <laughs> what I saw was she invested $1.25 million in electric vehicle stock. And the very next day, mm. one day later... Joe Biden signs an executive order saying every, um, what was it? The every vehicle, every every um, government office official vehicle must be an electric vehicle. Really? Now uh, I'm trying to figure out why would. Oh yeah, you're right. Is it that what it was? Yeah, that's what it was on on this was uh, January. 21st, okay, 24th, and January 24th. I'm sorry, January 24th. She signed, she bought a hundred one point two million dollars in electric vehicle stock. 
Yep. And then the very next day, Joe Biden signs an executive order saying that all military, all um, government official vehicles must be electric vehicles. Now, why do you think there was maybe some, hey, hey, Nancy, I'm about to sign an executive order. Uh, you think there was maybe some some collusion there? I doubt it. I okay. mean, it was just that a, never happens it, up there. So it know? would have been a it would literally been a lucky draw. Well, yeah, it was a gamble. It's, it's like winning the lottery, okay. you know, because okay. because they are so uh, they they would never do that. They would never do anything like that. I mean, yeah. it's not like they already did it back whenever everything happened with COVID. Half you, of them did it. You know, but, I'm, I'm I'm saying right now I'm calling because I I know we get listened to by. By the different things, I'm calling on the SEC to investigate that. Oh, know? really? Because why would they not? They're they're investigating Robin Hood and all those other things. This is this is illegal. If this really happened, you cannot manipulate the market like that. Yeah, that's that. basically. Yeah, you're right. That's collusion. Yeah. We 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 persecuted. Rob, I believe it was Murdoch for doing this very thing. And they were wrong when they were doing it. Yeah. I don't. I don't agree. Dave Portnoy said it best. Now he is a little bit, you know, says some things that I don't necessarily agree with. But it, he said these people should should be uh, punished for what they did. You can't just play with the stock market and cause all these people to lose money while you're gaining money, and you can't take advantages to say by using the presidency of the United States mm-hmm. to get yourself this money. I mean, they're. She had to know about it. You don't just go and invest $1.2 million in a company, and then the next day um, Joe Biden signs an executive order that uh, made federal uh, vehicles um, electric. My second follow-up question to this, Bryson. Okay. How does a public office, a Speaker of the House, how does she have $1.25 million laying around to exactly. invest? Exactly. That is f- 50 years of corruption is what that does. Fifty years of corruption. The, you know, when we talked with Virginia Fox, you know what yep. she said? She said her her net worth or anything has, has is, is, the is same roughly now. the exact same as when she went in the office. And that that's what it should be. Why? These, how in the world is a is a public official able to invest one point two five million dollars? You're talking about a whole bunch of money here. Yep. And she is just able so, to flow it around and then however else she wants. So she, according to this. The House Speaker would and make two hundred and twenty three thousand five hundred dollars a year. Okay, so two hundred thousand um, a year. She's House been in office, salary. I think, thirty three years. Is it only thirty three? I think thirty three years. Yeah. See, because I thought. Uh, so that that's the House majority. No, I was wrong. Hang on a second. This is according to. So this is according to the government. Um, what I, I had an unreliable source there. I apologize. The uh, according to this government website, it says the House Majority and Minority Leaders. Make one hundred ninety three thousand four hundred dollars a year. Okay. So if you're, how many terms as House Speaker has she had? Um, I don't know how long House Speaker, but I know she's been in the House for thirty three years. Okay. So let's just do one ninety three. And and the, the regular 000. members they only make like one seventy. The times thirty three. Okay. So it's so, not that much more. But yeah, so that times thirty three is what it doesn't six add point, up to six point nine million. Six point nine million. So if she yeah. if she spent absolutely no money, one thirty three hundred thirty three thousand. Times thirty three years, it's four point three million. So she would have four point three million dollars if she didn't spend it on fancy ice cream and, and things like that. But uh, yeah, she don't have just one point two. Nobody in the House of Representatives or in the Senate should should have. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy. The, mm. If we're calling to raise taxes on the rich, Mm-mm-mm. 
Maybe this is where we could start. Yeah, but. they they fall under. That's where. That's where the so. Oh my <laughs> gosh, hypocrites! That you want to tax the rich, but I guess, they fall, I guess today's episode title is going to be hypocrites. Yeah, they <laughs> they fall in they fall in the same category as all of these other people who they're trying to go against. Just all right, carry on. All right, let's, let's, let's jump into <laughs> thirty six minutes in. Let's jump oh, into man. the topic of the day: identity politics. Bryson, why don't you just give us a a, a North Carolina. Uh, Taylorsville, Hidnight definition oh, of right. identity politics. All right. Well, for the I, common people. See, back when I was a boy, identity politics was this thing they talked about. No, I'm just kidding. Let's see. So my personal opinion, um, which is dangerous, just kidding. <laughs> uh, identity politics is something that uh, Joe Biden is currently using with his cabinet. You can look at Joe Biden's cabinet and see identity politics in it. And, and you can see identity politics through all throughout Washington, Democrat and Republican. But, but I noticed it most there because all throughout, even before the election, see, this is part of what got them some votes, is Kamala Harris is the first woman vice president. No, not just woman. She's well, a, I, no, I'm, I'm continuing. Okay, okay. She's okay. got many titles. Um, <laughs> she, she's the first woman vice president. God bless her. She is the first um, African-American. Did they, was she African or – I've heard – see, I've heard African-American. I've heard uh, Southeast Asian. Both. Oh, she's both. She's both. So yes. she was. I don't even know how that works out. Well, it'd have been genealogy. Right. Mom, mom was Asia. Dad, right. You see, there's there's a lot that. But can she go was. There. Where, was she born in the country? She was, uh, she born, was born in the United States. Okay, yeah. so she is the first. Okay, so um, she's that. What else is she? Is there anything else? I think that that's she is? it. She's a woman, Southeast Asian, African American. Yeah, the first one. So it starts right there with Kamala Harris. Then it moves down in into the cabinet, and you've got. These people who have the the first uh, openly, um, I, th- I think Trump had someone that was considered themselves. Um, was it uh, what was his name? I can't think. But they've just got all these titles. Like you've got these. Uh, they're the most diverse cabinet. They mm-hmm. talk about that all the time. They've got gays on there. They have people of of different races. Uh, people that look different, so it looks good on TV and photographs. But are they really there for their requirements for the job and what they have done, what they can do, or can do, or are they there for their race, skin color, gender? See, that's where the real racism comes in, because when you're choosing someone for a position because of their the color of their skin, if you ask anyone. If uh, they were put in a place because of the color of their skin, they would tell you that was that's not racist because we, we people want to be chosen by like Martin Luther King said by the content of their character, mm, by their by their qualifications, by what they've done, what they can do over a skin color, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what's going on within that cabinet. They're being chosen because they're black. They're being chosen because they're they've got all these different things. And, and the same with uh, women. They've got many women on there, and, and I support that 100%. But they've been chosen not because of their qualifications. I mean, look at the press secretary, for example. She, we'll circle back. But <laughs> but uh, I won't talk about that. We'll circle back. But the uh, it's, it's all over there. You just got to look at it. It's all there. When people are not chosen for their qualifications, it's... It's obvious. I mean, I think it's the most racist thing is to choose someone for a position uh, because of the color of their skin. It's, it's sexist to choose someone because they're a male or a female and put them in a position 
just so it looks good on paper on TV and, and in front of people, whether actually working for the American people and getting things done, that's identity politics. And I think identity politics is a very racist thing in, in this country. All right, so identity politics, there's your basic definition. I, I pulled this. That's not a definition. That was actually my <clears throat> kind of opinion. But Well, hey, that, that's what we're here for. <laughs> um, I, the, I pulled this off of, it's a website called ninemarks.org. And uh, it's, the title of this article is called Identity Politics and the Death of Christian Unity. It starts out by saying, what is identity politics? It is an approach to politics based on one's group identity. So I am a male. I'm white male. I am a southern white male. I am a redneck redneck white male. I own guns. <laughs> I own. I have kids. I am cisgender. I believe in the marriage of family. All of a sudden, these are all identities to who I am, okay, which is great. We all are going to have our own identity. It goes on to say, it comes with a basic worldview <clears throat> which measures life in terms of power generally and the division of groups between oppressors and oppressed specifically. And so it all of a sudden it takes these thoughts of male, female, who's been oppressed more, let's give more attention to those people. Mm -hmm. uh, it views life and truth as social constructs. So life is just a construct. Truth is a construct. Truth is whatever you want it to be. And then the primary political activity of oppressed groups is consciousness raised and collective action. Okay, and that's what we're seeing with a lot of things right now in our country. And so <clears throat> identity politics is, uh, I believe it's detrimental. He goes on to say in this article, he says, um, the number of groups asking for political recognition and participation as a group seems to expand. And he, he, he labeled it like this, and I'm, I'm quoting it word for word. Jonathan Lehman is the author. He says, first, it was L and G, and then it was L and G and B. And then it was LGBT, and then it was LGBTQ, and so on. And all of a sudden, it begins to add progressively more and more and more on this identity. What can you define yourself as to make yourself look better? If you can put a T beside your name, a transgender male, transgender female, you are going to now be accepted in a different role. And so it, it begins to put these constructs on what makes you look better, what's going to get you advancement more based on what's beside your name, based on other rather than what is based on your qualifications. See, when I was raised and and I began getting my, my first jobs working, they began asking me, hey, can you lift 50 pounds of, 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 of flour or sugar? Because I worked at a grocery store. And I said, yeah, I can throw around bags of dog food all day long, 50, 60 pounds of dog food. Okay, if I couldn't do that, I wasn't qualified for the job. They would find a different job for me. That has gone out the door. It doesn't matter the qualifications. It matters on what you are, who you are, and what you define yourself as, and that is what is going to get you that job. Mm -hmm. That's identity politics. Yeah. Bryson, what's your initial thoughts on that? Well, my initial thoughts is identity politics is what's obviously being used now like i just said a minute ago I, I think that it's a dangerous thing i think that um another thing is they're wanting to uh make this look good um on tv make it look like they're diverse because we live in a in a uh, a uh, country that's going through some some hard times with uh 
racing things, you know, you see see what happened all summer. So they want to say, well, we want to look like we um, we are diverse and accepting to these different communities. Um, they they want to put that image on themselves. But but the thing that people don't realize is is what they don't want is someone like me or someone like James. They don't want a white male who who is up there. Uh, because they've had that for for all this time, but they're they're saying that these these people that are expecting for a cabinet to have all of these um, African Americans, uh, transgenders, gays, females, whoever, um, just all these different people that they're throwing in there, uh, the population of African Americans in America is thirteen point four percent. So the uh, the odds of someone that is not of that qualification or, or that image or whatever of having the same qualifications as the rest of the population. That could be, um, Asian, uh, whites, whatever. But, um, and I don't know really where I'm going with this, uh, but the, the, uh, the, when you have such a population that percentage that is so low and then you've got all of these other 13.4 and you've got, um, like 87% of the rest of the population, that doesn't fit these images that they want, the qualifications may lie somewhere else mm-hmm. other than these images that they want to portray. Yeah. Well, and I think what you're really getting at is we should have equal representation based on qualification. Right. That's kind of what I was trying to say. We shouldn't just put people in there because they look or talk or act a certain way. Right, because they might not be qualified as someone else. <laughs> exactly. And, and all of a sudden you're taking someone who has spent their entire life saying, I want to be in journalism. I want to be the best reporter I possibly can be, and I want to be the press secretary of the United States one day, Mm -hmm. and is the most qualified person ever, but you're going to choose someone else over that person because they didn't fit your construct of, well, you have to fit this category, Mm -hmm. you have to have these identities in front of you. That's where it gets... And that's that's where we are seeing racism on the other side of it. Right. Um, Right. And and they are saying, well, uh, we can only pick these people. It would be like back in the 1800s when... Uh, when slavery was abolished, and they were hiring white men over black men because they didn't trust the black men because they were slaves. Mm-hmm. They weren't educated. Okay, Now, black men are, are educated. They're great men. I've got some best friends that are, are my brother-in-law. You know, there, there's, some, there's some other qualifications now, and they are well done at their position because they have done well, and they've learned those positions. And so we're going to hire them based on their their commitment and what they've learned based on just who they are and and the identity in front of them. So on the Christian worldview, how does this affect us? How does this affect the Christianity? Um, Jonathan Lehman continues on in this article. Um, It's eight pages long, but he continues on by saying, identity politics is misleading and anti-theology. And what he continues on by saying is this, that God created us male and female. He didn't create us a black man and a black woman, a Mexican man, a Mexican woman. He created us male and female. And we began to add these quantifications in front of us. And we began to add these speculations and and, and constructs that are man-made constructs. That's the thing. They're man-made saying that, well, women are oppressed and women don't make as much money, so we need to hire more women. Well, if a woman is qualified, by all means, put her in that position. Mm -hmm. Give her the pay that she deserves. 
Okay, that's I'm I'm calling for equity and unity and, and things like that, but I'm not saying put someone there just because they're a woman and they don't know what they're doing. I wouldn't say put a man there if they didn't know what they're doing. Exactly. Put the person there that knows what they're doing and, and doing the right thing. Uh, and so we, when we begin, begin to, to really look at the, the construct of Christianity and how God says he created us male and female and, and he created them in the image of him, God says that I created people in my image, not in the image of LGBTQ, not in the image of, of an African-American, a Southeast Asian, a white Southern evangelical, whatever term you want to put in front of that. God said, I didn't do that. I created it male and female, and that's the identity that God wants us to run with, is what God has created us to be. And he's created each and every one of us with a purpose. And so we've got to take that purpose, and we've got to follow it to the fullest extent. Bryson? Yeah, we have put people into categories. And so until we realize and wake up to what you just said about being, uh, we're all created in the image of God. You know, we you can go back and listen to our racism episode. But I, I saw a video clip. Uh, of someone that did an interview on 60 Minutes on uh, Black History Month, which is uh, this month. And they said, you know, what are your thoughts on racism? And they said, until you stop calling me a black man and you a white man, he, he said, it, this was uh, Morgan Freeman was, was the one that was speaking. He said, I don't want a Black History Month. He said, do you have a white history month? Hmm. He, he, said, I, he said, I don't want a Black History Month. He said, until you stop calling black people blacks until you, until you stop calling me a black man and you a white man, racism is going to end. We need to look at each other as human beings and and, and look at our qualifications and our capabilities because, um, you know, using race as a... Uh, just using race, period, mm-hmm. has should not even be uh, required for anything because th- that is what leads to racism. If you just drop this whole idea of race and go back to what the Bible says about there being one race all created in the image of God, when you go back to that, I mean, that's what will uh, put the end to racism. That's why we, that's what will get rid of it. But we've, it's not going to end by using identity politics in, in the government and choosing people just based off of their race. Yeah. Uh, he, he ends this article, and, and like I said, it's eight pages. I'm not going to bore us by reading this article and there's a lot of theological stuff. I'll post the link to our show notes. But he ends by saying this, where do we go from here? And his last statement, his last thing says this, we need to maintain both love and truth. So many times these constructs that we've thrown there are not truth, but we must show love as well. And he says that Paul says this, if I speak in tongues of men and angels and I, and I understand all mysteries and knowledge, but I have not love, I am nothing. We don't want to love we don't want to love with truth. I pray that your love would would more and more abound in knowledge and depth of insight. We must love and we must show truth. Identity politics can be divisive, but and it can be divisive on both sides. Okay? All of a sudden, if you get up there and you say, Well, I'm only gonna hire Christian white men, okay, well now you're showing the identity politics on the other side. We've got to get to the point where we're hiring people based on what they can do. Love keeps short accounts. If we love much, we will do much for other people. Love covers a multitude of sin. 
we don't need just to love. We need the truth as well. That's why we, we challenge you if we say something wrong and people have called us out and we've made retractions because we want to be truthful. We want to be honest. We want to be just in our statements. We want to show love, but we want to be honest and true as well. Um, and so we must be we must maintain an emphasis of both love and truth through this process of identity politics. If not, it will divide the church. It will divide our nation. And as a nation and as a church, we will become pitted against one versus the other. Bryson, what's your final closing thoughts on that? Well, you know, I've already sort of established to you what I've, how I feel about identity politics, um, how, how it hurts things, how, how it affects things. Um, we, we just got to stop doing it. It's, it's not solving anything. It, it makes these um, certain people, you know, look a certain way while they're uh, essentially being racist and doing it. We got to realize that um, God created us in, the, in his image. We got to realize that God created and established there's one race, the human race. Mm-hmm. And until we realize that, you'll have identity politics because people will be chosen because of their race, their gender, and things like that. And until that stops, that's the point when racism ends. That's the point when all this other um, mess that we're fighting against, that's when that will end is when we wake up and uh, realize that. Exactly. And so uh, we hope you've enjoyed this. We we spent a little bit more time on uh, really both. We were about half and half today of our, our topics. And so I'm going to close this in prayer, and then, then Bryson will give us some closing thoughts. Father, thank you for this day. I pray, Lord, that you'll help us to not be so enamored in just the identity side, just the side of uh, of who we are and what we are, but who we are in you and our identity in Christ. I thank you, Father, for your blessings. I thank you for allowing us to have this platform to be able to come on and share and bring teenagers on and bring adults on and get their point of view and thoughts. And I just pray that you'll continue to bless our show, continue to bless um, our lives as we serve you. And we thank you for all that you've done in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for uh, listening to us today. We want to uh, give a shout out to all of our folks throughout the country. Yes. Uh, yes. Shout out to old John in Tennessee. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We want you to check us out on, on Facebook, Instagram. Um, we have an email address. Fyby, F-Y-B-Y productions at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We don't hear from anybody too much. <laughs> we don't. Uh, we but it's okay. It's okay. Hey, it's all right. But if you got an opinion about the show, you, or if you disagree with something I said, which is probably you, I don't think you'd disagree much with James. <laughs> I'm sure you'd disagree with me. I'm real strong in my opinions. But um, if you if you agree with something you said, you want to point something out, you want to tell us something, email us, uh, send us things on social media. Anchor has an option. Send us an audio clip. We'll establish that within the podcast. And I believe that's everything. Have I covered it all? I think that's it. Until next time, God bless. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by FYBY. If you enjoyed the content, please leave a rating or review and check out our Facebook page for more content.